Chapter 14 of The Life of Philip Melanchthon This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas, USA. The Life of Philip Melanchthon by Carl Friedrich Lederhose. Translated by Gottlob Frederick Crotel, eighteen twenty six to nineteen o seven. Chapter fourteen The Wittenberg Form of Concord. We have already mentioned that the division of the evangelical party in the doctrine of the Lord's Supper was not beneficial to the good cause of the Reformation. On this account, the Landgrave Philip of Hesse had made an earnest effort to bring about a union between the Germans and the Swiss in Marburg. He did not relinquish his hope of such a union, and made efforts to effect it at the Diet of Augsburg. One of the ablest divines of this period was the preacher and professor Martin Busser of Strasbourg, born in Schlettstadt in Alsace, in the year 1491, and gained over to the side of the gospel in the year 1518 by means of luther's discussion in heidelberg this man made it the task of his life to bring about a union in the doctrine of the sacrament for this purpose he had visited luther in coburg as early as 1530 and had found him inclined to union soon after he published a confession of the four upper german cities augsburg constance Lindau, and Memmingen, in which he closely approximated the Lutheran doctrine of the Lord's Supper. Luther and Melanchthon were highly pleased with this, and the latter wrote to Bucer, January 22, 1531, that he would write to him, although he was troubled by a fever at the time, quote, I saw the grounds of your union, and greatly rejoice that you admit a presence of the body of Christ with the soul but I do not see why you are so strongly opposed to admit a presence with the sign also. Luther expressed himself to the same purpose, and was very much surprised that Bucer represented Zwingli and Ecolampadius as holding the same view. He therefore expressed himself in favor of a postponement of the form of concord, although he confessed that he would rather lose his life thrice if this dispute could be settled. It seems that Bucer said in several places that the differences which had hitherto prevented a union were mere trifles. Luther, therefore, in a letter to the town council of Augsburg in 1533, declared that he did not agree with the ministers there who only presented mere bread and wine to the people. In a letter of the year 1534, quote, to a good friend concerning his book of secret masses, he expressly declares, I believe and do not doubt that in the Lord's Supper under the form of bread is the true body of Christ given for us to the cross. Under the form of wine is the true blood of Christ shed for us, and that this body and blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is not only received by the holy and worthy, but that sinners and unworthy persons truly receive it in a bodily manner. End quote. 
But Bucer did not give up his efforts to bring about a union on this account, and especially endeavored to gain over Melanchthon, who, in a letter of October 10, 1533, assures him of his love and promises to use his utmost endeavors to bring about such a union. In September 1534, the indefatigable Bucer published a form of concord. On the 16th of September, Melanchthon wrote to Erhard Schneff and the Landgrave Philip, who was deeply interested in this matter, that he had spoken of this form with Luther that very day, and that he was satisfied with it, provided Bucer believed what his words expressed. For Bucer confesses that, in the reception of the bread and wine, Christ is truly and essentially present. Melanchthon adds, quote, I would not require more. End quote. He relied much upon the Landgrave in this manner, exhorted him to act promptly, and added concerning himself, quote, All that I am able to do in order to bring about a Christian unity, I am willing to do with all my heart, and know of no more agreeable task in the world. May God add his blessing. End quote. The Landgrave was now anxious that Bucer and Melanchthon should meet at Kassel. Luther agreed to this, although he did not entertain great expectations of the result of such a meeting, and gave written instructions to Melanchthon, pointing out the basis upon which a union might be established. This document contains seven propositions, one of which demands that it should not be said that they had not understood each other before and another, that no middle meaning should be invented, as if, for instance, the opponents should say, the true body of Christ is present, and the Lutheran should say that nothing is eaten but the bread. Luther said in this matter, quote, God is my witness, that if it were possible, I would gladly give my body and blood to put away this disunion, End quote. He here expressed himself in a very conciliatory and tolerating manner towards those who entertained different views of the Lord's Supper, and concluded with a decided confession concerning the Lord's Supper, that the body of Christ is truly eaten in and with the bread. Melanchthon also at this time expressed his views of this important doctrine to the Landgrave, and in it declares, quote, that the body and blood of Christ that is, Christ essentially, and not figuratively, are truly in the bread and wine. But here we must cast aside those thoughts which our reason proposes, such as, how does Christ ascend and descend, conceal himself in the bread, and is in no other place? End quote. About the 12th of December, Melanchthon traveled to Castle to negotiate a form of concord with Bucer. Bucer had a short time before met with several ministers from Upper Germany, in Constance, who fully coincided in his views of the Lord's Supper. The Landgrave took a deep interest in the matter, and treated the Wittenberg envoy in the most friendly manner. Here Bucer, with the Upper Germans, expressed his opinion to the following effect, quote, that we receive the body of Christ essentially and truly when we receive the sacrament, and that bread and wine are signs 
with which, when they are dispensed and received, the body of Christ is given and received at the same time. End quote. He further said, quote, that the body and the bread are thus united, not by a mingling of their essence, but as a sacrament, and that which is given together with the sacrament. End quote. With a doctrine thus approximating together with the declaration that the opposite side would abide by the Augsburg Confession and its apology, Melanchthon returned from Castle, January 9, 1535. Luther was highly pleased with it, so that he remarked, quote, As for my own person, I do not know how I could reject such a form of concord. End quote. Yet he advised that this concord should not be fully arranged at once, but that it would be best to wait a while longer, because these differences were so great and widespread. We must notice here that Melanchthon returned in favor of Bucer's views. He shows this very distinctly in a letter to Camerarius and in a letter to Brenz, who was opposed to a concord. He remarked that they were not treating with persons who denied the Trinity and other articles. With such, he would have nothing to do, but would look upon them as persons who ought to be condemned. He confesses the true presence to him, yet with a leaning towards Bucer, and remarks that uniformity could be brought about. Letters arrived from every side, declaring how gladly all would unite with the Wittenbergers in the Lord's Supper. So also did they write from Augsburg, to whom Luther wrote, quote, If this form of concord is established, I will sing with tears of joy. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. For I will leave peace in the church, that is, the glory of God, the punishment of the devil, and vengeance upon all enemies and adversaries. End quote. Such encouraging letters also came from Strasbourg, Ulm, and Esslingen, which filled Luther with great joy. He remarked to the Strasburgers that it would also be necessary to interest the princes and cities in this manner, as to the time it would scarcely be possible to hold the conference before next Easter. The elector would be requested to appoint the place of meeting. He also expressed his cordial wishes to the preacher Schelling in Strasbourg towards the close of December. Quote, I have received your letter with pleasure, and assure you that I am just as anxious for the concord as I observe you to be. Let him bear witness whom no one can deceive. Therefore, pray God, as we also do, that this union, which, thanks to God, is prospering better and better, may at last be fully established. May God not be merciful to me if anything is wanting on my part, or if I lay difficulties in the way. So anxious am I that peace should be restored to the church before my death. End quote. Melanchthon had written to the ministers in Augsburg, quote, I would willingly endanger my life to promote this concord, and I trust that the way is already prepared for it. May Christ rule and guide the designs of the godly. End quote. Thus, the two leaders were warmly in favor of the form of concord. The place was also appointed, 
the elector selecting Eisenach. But, all at once, Melanchthon began to fear that greater divisions might be brought about by this conference, as he writes to the Landgrave of Hesse in April, quote, Now I have all the time feared, if this should be held at this time, that some rigorous individuals might attend, and thus more disunion and offense than improvement would be the consequence. He then goes on to say that no negotiations should be undertaken without the presence of the Landgrave and the other princes and states, and that, on the whole, too great haste should be avoided. His concern may have been caused by an epistle sent forth at this time by Zwingli and Echolampadius, which would not promote unity. This was prefaced, too, by a letter of Busser, who praised these men on account of their orthodoxy. On this account, Melanchthon was so anxious, and feared that it would only increase discord. Quote, this disease, he wrote to Witt Dietrich on the 15th of May, cannot be healed suddenly, but I beseech God in mercy to look upon the church and to deliver it from all offenses. Notwithstanding all this, the conference was held, but because Luther suffered great bodily pain at this time and could not go to Eisenach, he proposed Grimma, which was nearer. Melanchthon was already on the way thither when Bucer, with his friends Capito and Wolfart, called Lycosthenes, arrived in Wittenberg, May 21, 1536. Luther was not greatly pleased with their coming, for he had read the epistle already mentioned, and thought that the opposite party were not seeking a sincere union. However, this does not seem to have been the case, for on the road to Wittenberg they had visited Frederick Myconius at Gotha, who soon led them to converse on the Lord's Supper, and found them inclined to unite with the Wittenbergers upon a proper basis. This he relates in a detailed narrative of the proceedings of the convention. Minius also had understood this to be the case, and they both informed Luther and Melanchthon of it. Early on the 22nd of May, Bucer and Capito visited Luther, but the convention did not begin until three o'clock in the afternoon. One side was represented by Luther, Pomeranus, Jonas, Cruciger, Melanchthon, Minius, Myconius, Weller, and Rorarius, the other merely by Bucer and Capito. Bucer opened the meeting by a lengthy address in which he particularly expressed his joy on account of this conference and stated that this was now the fourth year that he had been laboring to bring about a union. Luther replied and expressed his disapprobation of the epistle of Zwingli and Echolampadius, prefaced by a letter from Bucer, which did not at all agree with this union. He believed it would be better to leave matters as they were than to make this business, which is already bad enough, a hundred times worse by a fictitious form of concord. This, of course, greatly perplexed Bucer, but in a long speech he again declared that there was no deception in the case, but that the upper Germans had fully expressed their sentiments, and that the said epistle had been printed against his will, yea, even against his express injunctions, 
and that his own letter had been written to others during the previous year and had not been intended for publication. Luther, now in his reply, demanded that they should, first of all, publicly recant their previous opinion as incorrect, and secondly, that they would henceforth teach in unison with the Wittenbergers. He began to explain this doctrine at length, but during this address he became so feeble that he was obliged to desist. They did not resume the conference until three o'clock in the afternoon of the next day. Luther insisted upon the two points referred to yesterday and requested an answer from them. Bucer consented to recant and confessed in his own name and that of the Swiss that the bread in the Lord's Supper is truly the body of Christ and that the wine is truly the blood of Christ and that the body and blood of Christ, namely the natural essential body, are received not only by the heart, but with the mouth of those who receive it, if worthily, unto salvation, but if unworthily, unto damnation. His friends also, upon Luther's inquiry, expressed themselves to be of the same opinion, and earnestly requested that they might be received in a brotherly manner into such a union as members of Christ. This was done, and Luther, as Myconius says, assured them of it, quote, with great fervor and joy, which was visible also in his eyes and entire countenance, End quote. The same narrator proceeds to say that it made so great an impression upon the whole assembly that, quote, Capito and Bucer began to weep, and we, on both sides, thanked God with clasped hands and devout gestures, End quote. Melanchthon, who was known to be particularly skillful in preparing a form of concord, was commissioned to draw it up, which he cheerfully did. On the 29th of May, this form was signed by both parties. In the first article it declares that there are two things in the Holy Sacrament, a heavenly and earthly, and that the body and blood of Christ are really and essentially present in the bread and wine, and are thus presented and received. In the second article, they reject the Romish doctrine of transubstantiation, and in the third they declare that the body and blood of Christ are also truly presented to the unworthy, but unto condemnation. They had also agreed in regard to baptism and absolution. Thus was the concord established with the gracious assistance of God. It caused great joy among the Lutherans in every quarter and declarations of approbation were sent to Wittenberg from many sides, and even the Swiss partially acceded to it. All were, of course, not satisfied. For instance, Amsdorf, who was not at all pleased with the form of Concord. But Melanchthon rejoiced most of all, for he now discovered that the fears which had troubled him so much were groundless. He, from henceforth, continue to abide by the Wittenberg form of Concord. End of chapter 14